good morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for March 6th, 2016. Boyo here. So very, very glad you joined us. Rainy day in Central California. We welcome the rain. Yesterday, Saturday, we went to a memorial service for a relative in Fresno and the a lot of the theme of the comments was that life is so short you never know every day is precious and um, uh, the person who passed away uh, was 77 years old and he was in good health and then this past August he lost his appetite and so they went to get a checkup and they found out he had um, leukemia and so they did chemo and then he went into remission for two months then they came back he had another treatment um but he did not go into remission. And then the beginning of February, he had a temperature and uh, went to the hospital. He had pneumonia. And then 10 days later, he passed away. So from August of last year, so you're only talking about uh, six months from the time the initial uh, first hospital visit when he wasn't feeling well and then and then he's gone. His wife uh, stayed at the hospital uh, when when he was there every night. Um, his son, adult son, commuted in three hours from San Jose every weekend to see his father. And um, it shows um with a capital R. And one of the service chairmen um, shared the uh, story uh, that many people have heard before, but he said, supposing you have a bank account every day, every morning, $86,000 $86,000 and $4,400 deposited into your bank account. But the balance, the whatever's left over at the end of the day is not carried over. So every morning you get start with zero and $86,400 is deposited in. Well, what would you do? Well, of course, you'd spend as much, all of them, money that you could since the balance is not carried over. So he said, well, <clears throat> every morning, 86,400 seconds is added into your time time of life bank account. And so you should not waste a, any precious second and spend them all. And then I was talking to 
person later after the service and she was saying that how much impact the teaching of the White Ashes reading uh, has for her. And I know a lot of people have said this. And teaching of the White Ashes is a, uh, an English translation is read at funeral times for Buddhist services um, in the Shin Buddhist tradition. And it's adapted from the writings of Lemyo Shonin, who was a famous Shin Buddhist uh, leader in 16th century Japan. Uh, and I know that um, so many people are, are really impacted by the words in uh, the white ashes. So I thought I'd share it and read the translation that I have, Teaching of the White Ashes. In silently contemplating the transient nature of human existence, nothing is more fragile and fleeting in this world than human life. Life swiftly passes, and who among us can maintain his form for even a several hundred years? Whether I go before others, or whether others go before me, whether it be today, or whether it be tomorrow, who is to know? Those who live before us are as countless as the drops of dew. Though in the morning we may have radiant health, in the evening we may be white ashes. When the winds of impermanence blow, our eyes are closed forever, and when the last breath leaves us, our face loses its color. Though loved ones gather and lament, it is of no avail. The body vanishes from this world with the smoke of cremation, leaving only the white ashes. There is nothing more real than this truth in life. The fragile nature of human existence underlies both the young and the old. Therefore, we must, one and all, awaken to the ultimate source of life. By understanding the reality of death, we shall come to fully appreciate the meaning of this life, repeatable and thus to be treasured. By virtue of true wisdom and compassion, may we realize the unexcelled value of our human existence. May we keep the teachings of love and gratitude in our hearts, and may we live the true life of oneness. Indeed, indeed. So it uh, <clears throat> behooves us all, and I think the, the older we get, the deeper the reality with the capital R uh, impacts us, and especially when we lose a loved one. And um, the teaching is to precious day as always when we are last day. Well, animals, just by their way of their being, they live fully, you know, in the moment. And sometimes that moment uh, may not be convenient for the owners, I don't know the exact details 
of the next account or of experience that's going to be shared in our Dharma Glimpse, but it's titled Tale of Two Dogs. <laughs> that's kind of a clever title uh, by Doug Cuyo. He was part of our LM4 group, and he and his wife live in uh, the Washington area. They're uh, retired up there. And uh, so let's hear about the tale of two dogs. As I write this, I'm trying to keep an eye on two 13-week-old puppies who are hell-bent on destroying everything in the house and themselves as well. Just now, one decided to see how chewable the computer power cord was. For the past three weeks, I've been their den mother, sleeping on the couch next to their crate. We all go to bed at 9 p.m., and I lie motionless until they go to sleep. Their hyperacute senses usually detect a neighborhood cat making its rounds at about 2.30 a.m., but with a little luck, they settle down until dawn. Cruelly seems to be coming earlier each day this time of year. During the day, their random Brownian motion ensures that no corner of their world remains uninvestigated or unchewed. Although we knew that the first few months of puppyhood would be challenging, Patty Cayo and I thought we could use up a lot of their energy in running them around dog parks, the beach, or the backyard. No such luck. Because of the parvovirus threat, which can cause a rapidly fatal illness in puppies, experts recommend avoiding contact with any areas where dogs and other animals, such as raccoons, have congregated, since the virus can persist in the environment for over a year. This will be the reality until they are fully immunized. So except for carefully supervised walks in the front yard and daily car rides, it's going to be hands-on all day long for at least a few more weeks. In the time it's taken me to write this, they have settled down in their crate for a nap, looking like perfect little angels. So maybe now is my chance to take advantage of some relative peace and quiet and compose the Dharma glimpse, which is rapidly coming due. Maybe Patty will take the con and I can sneak down to the public library. After all, I can't very well be expected to achieve any meaningful spiritual insights with this chaos all around me. But then it occurs to me, in reality, this is as good a time as any other. In fact, it is the best time, since it is now. I don't need to wait for my circumstances to be more to my liking. There is always a lesson unfolding right before me. I might not understand it or be able to put it into words, however inadequate, but it is there nonetheless. Basically, I'm making the mistake of thinking being mindful depends on my ability to concentrate. In his book, Mindfulness in Plain English, Bhante Gunaratana says, Your practice must be made to apply to your everyday living situation. That is your laboratory. So in the midst of all this upheaval, I ask myself, Shall I wait until I have more time at my disposal? No, this is now. Shall I wait for my surroundings to be more comfortable? No, this is here. Shall I wait for a more pleasant experience? No, this is this. Or to sum it up in a code phrase, now, here, this. So what are some teachings these fur balls with fangs have to offer? Naturalness? Yes, they are all that, and I wish I could run around naked and go to the bathroom any place I felt like and then lie down and instantly go to sleep. Authenticity, they are completely themselves at all times. 
But sadly, the dictates of polite society are going to require that they become more like I want them to be. But for now, their world is all about them. Honesty, even though they clearly want what they want, their transparent motivations are in stark contrast to the calculated behavior of the rest of us, particularly when we are preaching altruism. Do I believe all this? Yes, intellectually, but there is another lesson which is more valuable. I am a creature of habit. I have certain well-worn routines and rituals which I often do more for the sake of doing them than anything else. I'm a little compulsive that way. I hate to think I'm backsliding. Above all, I dislike change. Now, for the first few days we had the puppies, I was determined that they would work around my schedule. Little by little, the futility of that idea has come home to me, as the present demands all my attention. These animals have forced me to clear the decks and come up with a whole new plan. I'm reminded of the time my co-worker's computer crashed and he lost all of his carefully saved emails and documents, pretty much everything that made his workaday world run to his liking. The interesting thing was that after a couple of days of mourning, he started to feel a newfound sense of freedom. This violent liberation from years of electronic bondage conferred an unexpected benefit he could not have imagined or dare experience on his own. Last Sunday, Reverend Coyo suggested a horizontal leap as a way of refreshing our spiritual practice. This derangement of my well-ordered life gives me the opportunity to do just that. After the dust settles, I have a choice. Reconstruct the old familiar and comfortable routines, or take this as an opportunity to strike out in a different direction. One thing's for sure, I'll be taking a lot more walks in the future. Thank you for the opportunity to share these thoughts with you today. <laughs> I have to I have to chuckle because you know Adrian and I we're dog people and we've always had dogs and I don't know how many times I've said this is the last dog we're gonna have because they they require a lot and I remember when I had the main responsibility for, you know, housebreaking a new puppy. And, you know, you have to be on top of it all the time because if he goes and you don't catch him, then it's going to be, a, you know, the habit won't get ingrained that he has to go on the paper or go outside and stuff like that. So... Um, I was very conscientious about it. I knew about conditioning, the laws of conditioning and so forth. And I remember that time that I thought I was almost going to go crazy. I mean, it was really, you know. And, of course, since dogs, their lifespan is shorter than uh, their human owners, you have to experience the pain of uh, putting them down or things like this and and uh, they inject something into your orderly life, you know. Gee, do we need this? It's been nice, but come on, we're getting older. We don't have as much energy. And uh, but something always happens, and we get another dog. And so, well, now it's not too bad because we have two dogs. They keep each other company, and we're retired, and, we have a property here where they can run free and 
so we still have two dogs. So I could really understand um, what life with dogs is all about and what it's like when, when they're puppies. I mean, we've had situations where one time, uh, this was some years ago, when our dog, I don't know what happened, but he got emotionally upset and we came home and he had gone poop in the living room, which was, of course, carpeted. And there must be, I guess he had diarrhea and he, there must have been over a dozen piles all over the rug. It was like a minefield and, uh, oh, no. You know, you gotta clean it up and then have the rug shampooed and boom, he did it again. You know, so I think all dog owners have different kinds of stories and whatnot. And one one of our big labs, one time we used to have a big black lab uh, called Black Hawk. <laughs> he was about 125 pounds. He had epilepsy and he would have these little seizures and you know when they have a seizure then they lose control of their bladder and whoa whoa anyway we have to pay attention uh, to what's going on because that's what's going on and uh, not how you want it to be and so forth if you take on the responsibility uh, for sharing life with the dog then you got to do it and uh, Doug Cuyo used the phrase, now hear this, and he didn't explain it, but uh, I know from prior uh, conversation, you know, he was uh, in the Navy, and when you're on a ship, PA system says, now hear this, now hear this, and it struck him that this is a good kind of a mantra, and of course, now hear this. The hear is H-E-A-R, to listen. Now hear this. Um, but the mindfulness of the present moment is now hear, H-E-R-E. Now hear this. Hey, pay attention right now to right here. This is what is happening. Okay? Not something from your head about how things should be or how you plan it or how you ex- your expectations, and this indeed is reflects upon the most basic Buddhist teaching of um, impermanence. Uh, things are changing, and it's okay if they change for the good, but when they change for the bad or the unexpected, uh, it's the whole source of you know human suffering if we do not flow with the dynamicness of the reality of each now. And it's always now. That's why they call it the eternal now. So he has a nice personal mantra nugget. Now, hear this. (laughs) Well, I'd like to uh, close with a... I ran out of the puns the list of puns that someone had sent me. I wondered if I thought I tried to close each Live Dimer Sunday session with something to smile about. And I found uh, an email that had a lot of humorous signs. 
you know. And so I, I thought I'd share some humorous science to to close off each session. And then something, and then Adrian said, just use one. Don't do three. I was I don't know why I was going to do three, but just do one. So I'm going to share with you um, a humorous sign, and this is a sign over a gynecologist's office, and it reads, Dr. Jones at your cervix. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I know. <laughs> That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going, and you have a very beautiful day. Thank you. <laughs>